All right. Did you just scream to get started? No, I'm like coughing out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm recording. Ready to get started? It's the Seven Sage LSAT podcast. I'm Henry Ewing, and I'm joined with my co-host, Asta. Hello, hello. It's Asta. Super excited to talk about one of my favorite parts of the LSAT. And what would that be? That would be blind review. Mmm, blind review. I think blind review gets a bad rap from a lot of people. I think a lot of people hate it. Some people don't even know what it is. So if you don't know what blind review is, I'm super excited to tell you one of my favorite parts of studying or one of the best parts of studying, I think. You get the most bang for your buck. What do you think? Yeah, blind review is a one-way ticket to value town. I will say that. (laughs) It, It is a lot of bang for your buck in terms of time spent studying. And what does bang for your buck mean in terms of time spent studying? It means that every ounce of effort you spend blind reviewing, you reap that in points back. So if you get a lot of bang for your buck, it means every unit of effort you spend, you're going to get that many more points on the LSAT. Absolutely. Yeah. So Asta, we've mentioned how blind review is provides a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. I'm sure as a listener, though, you're wondering, well, what actually is providing this bang? <laughs> I don't know if our listeners are phrasing the question exactly like that, but it is a good question. I think even people who are familiar with the idea of blind review might not necessarily know exactly what it is, but there are a lot of different ways to do it, a lot of different definitions. But in short, this is what blind review is. You do questions for the LSAT, whether it's a PT, a time section, a drill, I don't care what it is. You're doing LSAT questions. You do it in a time setting, not GRE, not, you cannot blind review for other tests, doesn't work. For the LSAT though, you do LSAT questions, you do it in a timed condition. Even if you don't finish the section, even if there's some questions that you're like, God, like I have no idea like what the right answer is. I'm taking a shot in the dark. You do it, you get it done. Then you go chill out for a little bit. Maybe you go grab a bite to eat hang out with your friends. And when you come back to those questions without being able to see what the right answers are, that's why it's blind review because mm. you're reviewing blind. Oh, okay. Get it? Yeah. You're going through the questions that you thought you might've missed or questions that you weren't 100% confident in. And you redo those questions. You do blind review on time, spend all the time you need to really put in the work to get the question right and understand what's going on. So the idea is that by the time you finish blind review, you should get all the questions right, right? Like if you've got a perfect conceptual understanding of this test, if I take timing out of the equation, okay, now we're getting these questions right. And if you're not, you can really assess, okay, where are my conceptual misunderstandings? Where am I just moving a little slowly? Things like that. So in short, that's what blind review is. Mm. That makes sense? Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say, and I think what a lot of people's interpretation of studying in general is, is they will take the test, they will do it under time conditions, and then after they're done, they'll just click a grade, show me the answers, and they'll see what they got wrong. But what you're saying and why this is called blind review is to, to not do that, actually. Don't look at your answers or don't check the answers. Go back to the test, do the test again, and I'm using air quotes because we'll talk about exactly what you're supposed to be checking, but you get a second pass at this test to maybe you were unsure about your question, the answer for question 16. Mm -hmm. You would go back, double check that. Maybe you change your answer for the blind review. Maybe there's questions you didn't make it to towards the end because you ran out of time. Well, you get to look at that under untimed conditions. And in the end, you have perfect theoretical knowledge of the LSAT and of reason, you really should be getting, I'm using, again, should in air quotes, in theory, you should be getting all these questions right. 
Now, in practice, you probably don't, and that can just help you direct you to what you need to be studying in the future. Is, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll throw this out there. This is probably kind of a hot take in the LSAT world, but I really believe, especially with like a full-length practice test, if you're not blind reviewing, you're wasting your time. Mm. I, I think all of the time that you spent taking the practice test was just an absolute, complete... You're all wasting your time, everybody. Right, and I know that sounds harsh, but reviewing things without seeing what the answer... Because once you see what the right answer is, you're like, ah, I totally would have gotten that. I just, it was a careless error. I misread. Like, ah, I'm not going to worry about that. Not going to study it. Mm. But doing blind review actually allows you to test, like, what was just a silly little mistake or what was, like, a really big misunderstanding with the test. And so... If you just take the test, check your answers, look at the score, and then go on your way, you might as well have not taken the test, right? You're really not getting anything out of it. You're not reviewing. You're not analyzing. Blind review fixes all of those problems. So in short, if you don't want to waste your time, blind review. It's super helpful. I would agree, but because I like to be a little bit contentious, I would instead <laughs> say, instead of saying it's a waste of time, you're not using your time very effectively. That's fair. It's probably how I would phrase that. Because, I mean, I would say that doing a PT is probably better than doing nothing, but it's not that much better if you're not really evaluating why you're getting the answers you did wrong. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about this last week, right? Like taking a PT is not necessarily studying. It's a way for you to get a sense of where you're at, sure. But the blind review part of taking a PT, oh, that's totally study. That's a great way to study. Like one of the best ways to study and try to improve on this test is really, really taking the time to analyze. And if you blind review, you can really assess what your confidence levels are. Are you overconfident on certain questions? Are you underconfident on certain questions? Are you changing right answers to wrong answers or wrong answers to right answers? I, I think you said this, Henry, but in your words, Blind review gives you a chance to see what you're really made of, right? And I think that's a really good way of avoiding it, to see what your full potential on this test actually is. Yeah, and yes, I dramatically did say yes. And I would agree, especially with the confidence area. Confidence on this test, it's, it's very important in the sense that I feel like on the LSAT in particular, it is really easy to convince yourself a right answer is wrong and a wrong answer is right. Just given the, I don't want to say that, the, the odd nature of LR and RC. <laughs> and what we're looking for, or at least what I look for and what I tell my clients when I'm, when I'm working with them is you, you want to have 90% confidence on an answer. For the reason that it's far better to have 90%, I guess we're getting into a timing part here, but it's a lot better to get going from zero to 90% confidence on a question might take you a minute, but going from 90 to 100 can take an additional minute itself, right? So even though you're spending a lot of time, additional time going from 90% to 100% confidence, that's probably not reaping many points. We'll probably talk more about timing in particular. Yeah, for sure. But just know that confidence is a huge thing. And what you said, and what you said is, is totally right too. Being overconfident on an answer choice is definitely going to inform you that you have to go back and and really reassess your understanding of the material. Say you get a you thought you got all the sufficient assumption questions right and in blind review you didn't even bother blind reviewing them because you're like I knew these were right and then you go back and you got them all wrong. It's a green flag. It means you have some very low-hanging fruit <laughs> that you can go back and, and study for and get those right. And if you're underconfident, that's also not good, but it's not good in a different way. It just means you probably need to trust yourself more. And by trusting yourself more and realizing like, hey, I actually do know the material, even though I wasn't so confident on this at first, 
Yeah. I do know the material and that's going to, you're going to get a lot of time back that way. Cause, cause confidence and timing, they're, they're directly tied. I totally agree. I think we do have a timing podcast planned. Do we not? We do. We definitely do. So we'll go into this more in depth in a future episode, but little preview, I guess, right? Timing important, confidence important. Timing is everything on the LSAT. <laughs> right? And and wine review really helps you assess like where you can improve the most. In short, right? Or just to kind of sum it up, if you're asking yourself what is wine review, it's a second chance on these questions, right? It's a second chance for you to test your understanding of the content, test your understanding of the material, assess your confidence. It gives you all of the tools that you need to plan what you need to do to get better at this test. And again, if you're not blind reviewing, you're missing out on that opportunity to learn how to get better, right? That is just like, if it's right in front of you, right? If you can just put in the work to to do the blind review, you're going to come out of it with such a clear path forward. It's so worth it in my eyes. Like, I, I can't imagine why you would ever give up that chance. That's my take. One thing I will kind of say, though, I know a lot of people get very anxious about blind review because they're like, oh, I just want to know what I got. Like, I want to know what the score was. Remind yourself that it doesn't really matter, right? Like, whatever that number ends up being, you're going to have to keep studying anyways, or you're going to have to keep working forward anyways. So if you can just hold off a little bit to do the blind review first, that number is going to be so much more meaningful in the end. It's not going anywhere. Let's put it that way. Exactly. You will only get to your goal score quicker by blind reviewing. For sure. It's probably maybe a better way to put it than by looking at it. And, and, and we always say to PTs, they're not really an indication or a real indication of how you'll do on test day. So whatever you get, even if it's what you wanted or what you didn't want, it's not a clear marker that that's what you'll score on test day. So again, being like, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's nice to PT well. In the grand scheme of things, it's probably it's not the most important. So both understanding the fact that, of course, you want to see how you performed and also understanding that like, hey, if I hold off just a day or and it doesn't have to be you can blind review that, that day. But if I hold off just a little bit longer, whatever score I get, it matters less than the amount of studying or the, the value I've, I've brought. For sure. I've done. Is that the right way to put it? I think that makes sense, right? Like, does that make sense? I, ho- I hope that makes sense. <laughs> really Henry whenever you talk it's just like 90% of me processing what it is that you said and like maybe two minutes later it clicks like ah maybe Henry did have a point there that's more processing than I do before I even think to speak so that's that's good (laughs) Henry tell me this what is blind review not like what is not blind review Blind review is is not doing every question again. And that is that was my conception of blind review for a very long time as a studier, as as a test taker. And now that I've transitioned to the other side of things, (laughs) the other side of things. But as a test taker, I always thought that blind review was you take the test in timed conditions or not even the test, the the timed section. Mm -hmm. And then you do the section again untimed. Every single question. Double check That's every answer. That's rough. God. Yes, that is rough. Well, and it's so rough, I just didn't really do it. <laughs> I didn't do it as much as I probably would have benefited for. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely not what blind review is. What you want to do with blind review is you really only want to look at the questions that you think you probably got wrong or that you really struggled with. And the reason being is that, hey, if you gave yourself a year on an LR section, gun to your head, you could probably (laughs) get every single question right. It's a very interesting scenario. I know that I don't know why that was the we're dark here. It's a seven stage podcast. It's it's a dark theme. I'm a dark person. I don't have a soul. (laughs) The LSAC took it. You're so dramatic. I mean, but yeah, right? Like if you had forever to do everything, 
you'd probably get a minus zero on this test. I believe that. But that's not efficient. Yeah, it's not very efficient and it's not very realistic and it's not going to help you. You're giving yourself too many opportunities to right your wrongs, if that makes sense. It's not going to get at your overconfidence versus underconfident idea, right? If you just do every single problem again, then you'll be like, oh, okay. It's not really an evaluation of how confident you were on your answers. A large reason too is why confidence matters and and why having a correctly calibrated confidence matters is at the end of an LR section, ideally, you're going to have a little bit of time left over. And you want to go back and check and double check answers that are more likely to be wrong or that you more likely answered incorrectly. You don't want to go back and double check answers that you had already answered correctly. Exactly. And so when you are blind reviewing, what you don't want to do is just review every answer choice because you're not going to be able to calibrate you or it's not going to force you to calibrate your sense of what answers you got wrong. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, for sure. Right. Like if you blind review every single question, then you're going to blind review even the questions that you are 100% confident on. And maybe you'll find a question that you were 100% confident on, but then on blind review, you corrected it. But okay, now when you're looking at your results from blind review, it's like, ah, I got all the questions right. That's great. But you're not going to have a way of marking that one question that going through the test, you're like, oh, I got this. Like you got Henry's ego. Like we're good to go. Nothing could be wrong here. And then you go and correct it later and you're not going to realize, oh, that was actually a huge error that I made. I was way too confident about that question. So questions that you are 100% sure on, you don't need to blind review it, right? And this kind of brings us to a point that we are going to talk about later on, but I think fits in really well here is what the bar should be for blind review. Like what types of questions you should blind review. We said it's not doing every single question again. So you need to have some kind of filter of what types of questions you're blind reviewing. So I've got a couple. One of them is just vibes. If the question just feels like it needs a blind review, then blind review it. I think that's fun. Another one is any question that you don't eliminate all four of the wrong answer choices for, right? If you're big on like actively hitting the X and eliminating while you're taking the test. Okay, if you didn't eliminate all of them, okay, let's go back and blind review. Some people, they flag questions to blind review. I think that's a really helpful tool. And then for a couple other people, especially for kind of scoring in the higher range of things, I would recommend blind reviewing questions at the end of the section, right? Because those are probably going to be the hardest questions, the most difficult questions, the most trap answers. So those are just a couple of filters that you can use to decide what questions you're blind reviewing. Do you have any other suggestions for that, Henry? Well, I think I would want to expand on your second point, which is blind reviewing questions that you didn't eliminate all four answer choices on. Mm -hmm. I, I think you mean, let's say you leave up three and you all think they're about as good as each other or close to as good as each other. And then you just pick one and move on. Because on this test, especially with the first 10 questions, you, you should not be eliminating all four answer choices. That's my view. I see what you're saying. Generally speaking, if you're in, in pole position on LR or in what prime position, well, I don't know. I don't. It's a it's an F1 term. It's a racing term. I don't even know if I'm using it correctly. <laughs> so I hope I'm not alienating anyone who like listens to it or watches the racing. Seven Sage podcast listening audience also watch F1. Like, I, I don't uh, know F, if those yo, two F1 groups... is very nerdy, I think. F1's <laughs> one of the more nerdier sports there is. Oh, it's that, car racing, right? it, yeah, It's car racing. Car racing. How nerdy does it get? They, they don't even run. <laughs> they, don't, they don't even hit each other. They're, they sit down. It's like gaming. Basically the same thing. <laughs> okay, you're in, in pole position for LR. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. In any case, yeah. <laughs> in any case. <laughs> in any case, you if you're in a prime position for LR, 
you the first 10 questions, these are not things that you arrive to the right answer choice by eliminating four wrong ones. Mm, I see. Does that make sense? You yeah, identify, yeah. you get to answer choice B, or you have an idea of what you want. You scan the answer choices. B looks good. You pick it because you're 90% sure that B is right anyways. And then you're not going to X out C, D, E, A, or really try to X that out. Why? Because it's going to take up way too much time on this test. And I think if you are... For someone who studied a while, you can be 100% confident that that answer or 95% confident that that answer is right without having mm-hmm. X'd out the other answer choices. Now, I do agree later, right? Later in the test or, or even earlier in the test, maybe you, you're still earlier in your studying or you still feel like you have a ways to go where you leave two answer choice you're between two answer choices up and then one looks a little bit better than the other but it's kind of a toss-up right it might not be a coin flip but you could see it going either way then i 100 percent agreeing agreed to blind that you should blind review that answer does that make sense yeah no for sure and, and that's mostly what i meant right like questions where there was another answer choice that gave you a little bit too much pause right that you want to take a little bit more time to look over and think about and and really make sure that it was not an answer that you wanted to pick so i totally agree there so those are again right some bars that you can have for blind review. There, there are other filters, right, based on your specific weaknesses and kind of where you're at in your studying. You can obviously blind review different things. But the important thing is you should blind review some stuff. You should not blind review everything, right? Yeah. And I think that kind of brings us to, well, how long should blind review take? It's a tough question, right? Because it depends. It depends on a couple of different things. It depends on how many questions you're getting wrong or how many questions you're unsure about. But the general advice that I like to give is, Blind review should roughly take the time it took for you to take the actual test. You should try to avoid spending more time on blind review than you did on the actual test. So what do you kind of think about that? Yeah, I agree in in some in some sense. It really depends on where you are in your studying. If you're fairly early on or you feel like you have a lot of the way to go to get your goal score, you're very likely, it's very possible you're missing 10 questions, up to 10 questions or, or more. I, I Really, there's everyone at every level who's taking this test. There's a number of questions. But let's say you blind review, you're doing it untimed. You're taking four minutes a question. Well, after nine questions, you're already above the amount of time it takes to take the section. Does that make sense? That's fair. No, that that's totally fair. I agree. It, it really, ideally, it doesn't take you as long. And as you, of course, as you get better at this test and as you blind review more, because you've been blind reviewing more, you're going to be missing less questions. It will not take the full length of a PT. Let's say you think you, you thought you missed three questions. Well, that should only take maybe 15 minutes, maybe, if that. It will take a longer time, though, when you first start. Because generally when you first start, you're not going to be as confident. You're still calibrating. Like, you're still kind of figuring it out. Yeah, you're st- exactly. You're still calibrating and you still don't know the material fully. You don't have it, like, down like the back of your hand. That's okay. It's going to take a while to blind review. And and it's not that fun, you could say. I think blind review is fun. Like, I when I first started studying with Seven Sage, I took blind review so seriously, Henry. Like, I was spending six, eight hours blind reviewing a single test because I... And that was fun. It was fun in the sense that I understood the value from it, right? It was like like a little game. Now we know how Asa's sophomore year was at college. <laughs> yeah, she's looking forward to six hours of blind review. I wasn't looking <laughs> Don't make me a nerd, Henry. I'm cool. I promise. I'm cool. I don't have to make you one. You are one. <laughs> the point is... Me too, is... <laughs> by the way. 
the point is, yeah, Henry was a philosophy major. I, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was much nerdier. I was, well, the yeah. point is that I would spend a lot of time line reviewing, but I, the reason I didn't dread it as much as I hear other people dreading line review is because for me, it's like, oh, like this is an opportunity to be like really good at something. Like, okay, yeah, if I just sit here long enough and figure it out, like that light bulb moment that you just get over and over again when you start realizing mistakes that you made or noticing things on the test, like that's where I really found like, like myself gamifying the LSAT a little bit when I was blind reviewing. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it's just really satisfying to realize that I'm figuring something out or I'm like getting something right. Like that's really fun for me. And hopefully if you're studying for this test, that could be fun for you too, right? I think that's a really good way to go through it. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a couple things going on with people who don't like blind reviewing. And I totally empathize with this. One, it's the it's the the barrier between you realizing how well you did on your time section. So there, there's that element where it's like people really want to know. But as we said, it doesn't really matter how you performed on your time section it's not as important as understanding why you got some things wrong which blind review can help you do the other element is i i think and you touched on this a little bit which is when people blind review and i'm totally guilty of this i'm sure you were it just feels like you're confirming your answer choices if that makes sense you're doing the question again but you're just i don't know you're going through the motions it doesn't feel like you're actually attempting to learn but with your spin on it and what i think we're hoping to communicate is that it's actually really good when you blind review and you change your answer choice because you see something that can be a really rewarding experience and so when you're blind reviewing clear hearts clear eyes <laughs> kind of situation but it's a great opportunity to learn and make those clicking moments happen how much more rewarding is it to change your answer choice to a correct thing and then click grade than it is to realize click grade you see that you got something wrong and then have jy explain it to you exactly that's fine but it's not that rewarding it's so much better when you go back and blind review and you're like oh wait a minute I see this and then you grade it and then you saw that like yeah you answered it wrong originally but on blinder you you got it correct and then you watch the video and you're like yeah I saw that I I know that I can do this next time (laughs) it really is though it's like you're better than JY at that point people who blind review are better than JY is kind of what I'm gathering from this well, I, JY, I love you. I don't think that at all. That is entirely Oss's opinion. That That's just what I gathered from what you just said. Like, those were the words that came out of your mouth. Mm, reading between the lines kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. RC. You shouldn't do that on RC. Not something you need to do. Anyways, that's like a whole other episode. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. I've got strong thoughts. <laughs> we're going to have a contentious... There's going to be a contentious RC episode, I think. That's going to be a dramatic one, because I, I feel very strongly about RC. Interesting. And I feel like you do, too. I have a couple opinions, for, to be sure, but <laughs> I guess we'll, we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. But kind of in summation, fine review, important. I totally, totally empathize as well, right, with what might stop you from doing blind review, but make it fun for yourself see the value that you're getting. What did you call it at the beginning of the episode? The one-way ticket to... Uh, to Value to Town. Value yeah, it's a town? one-way ticket to Value Town. <laughs> it is a one-way ticket to Value Town because as we described... <laughs> Doing a PT or a, a timed section, it's kind of like studying, but not really. It's just confirming or it's just a way to test where you are. But you can take that 35 minutes that you spent on that section. You blind your view and then all of a sudden it becomes studying. It goes crazy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And then and you're really maximizing the time it takes because you do have to take PTs. But let's leverage that time in a way that's going to reap as many benefits as it squeeze as much <laughs> value from it. Yeah. Eek it for every drop it's worth. <laughs> By the way, what you don't want to end up happening, and this is not uncommon, is that people do every single PT and they do every single question. And it's not a bad, if that does happen, you still can study. It just becomes, I don't want to say harder. It just, your studying looks a little bit different. I totally agree. 
So let's go ahead and move on to how often you should buy an interview, right? Because it is a long process. Totally get that. Totally. I'm with you there. So here's in my head what makes the most sense. If you're studying part-time, if LSAT is not like your main gig, like that's the purpose of waking up every morning, you've got a job, you've got school, whatever else it might be. If you're studying part-time, I think it makes sense to only blind review full-length practice tests that you're taking. In my head, what I recommend to most of my tutoring clients and when people ask me about this, what I tell them is every weekend that you're studying is one PT. You take the PT on one day and then you blind review, review, wrong answer journal. We'll talk about that later, but that's that's on the second day. So like taking a PT in my head is like a two day affair. So if you're studying part time, right, take the PT on a Saturday and then blind review on Saturday, Sunday, get that done, really spend your time with it. And then you don't need to necessarily spend a lot more time during time sections or drills that you're doing blind reviewing those as well. However, if you're studying full time, If studying for the LSAT is like your bread and butter, like that is all you're doing, you are full sending it, then I think you should be blind reviewing every practice test and every full length section that you're doing. You've got the time for it. Again, one way ticket. It's like one of the best things you can do with your time. So spend the time and do it, right? You got to fill the hours of the day somehow. I think it'd be kind of boring to just do the same thing over and over again. So take a PT, take a full length section, whatever it is that you're doing. If you're studying full time, blind review it all. Blind review as much as you possibly can. So what do you kind of think of that assessment? Well, the script says probably the same thing. So I do think probably the same thing. Uh, that's funny. I agree with the studying full t- the if you're working full time. Mm-hmm. Blind reviewing only the PTs or at least blind reviewing the PTs makes sense. Yeah. And I also agree with the time. I think the time sections are good to blind review. If you are just doing like an untimed 10 section drill of a specific question type, I don't think it makes too much sense to to blind review that because that's kind of what blind review is, right? It's an untimed pass at a timed section. And so if you're only if you're doing a section untimed, which, by the way, that's a, that's a great way to study. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you need to necessarily go back and do it again. But yeah, I, I would say that makes sense. Timed things are always good candidates to blind review. Absolutely. Untimed a little bit, maybe not so much. I agree. Because then you're just essentially repeating that process over again, or even like timed like mini drills that you might be doing. Like, I don't know, maybe you're really trying to hammer home like necessary assumption questions one day. Like if you have the time to blind review those like five necessary assumption questions you did, great. Awesome. Blind reviewing, good. But if you don't, I'd much rather you spend that time blind reviewing PTs, right? Top priority, blind reviewing your practice tests. And then second priority, full length sections you're doing. Third priority, kind of everything else. Yeah. Well, because the PTs are a lot less like studying than doing 10 necessary assumption questions in a row. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And that's what we're really trying to do with blind review is, is how do we turn time that is necessary for the test? <laughs> I know. I, I use that unironically. Now it's bad. It makes me sick, Henry. I'm sick. I hate looking in the mirror every day to see what I've become. <laughs> it's terrible. An LSAT tutor? I have an email that says at Seven Sage. What have I become? <laughs> what happened? Where'd you go wrong, Henry? Goodness. I, it's because I started taking the L. It started with philosophy class, actually. No. <laughs> that That's where you started going on the wrong track. But but anyways, right? That's kind of the goal. And then when we're thinking about like, okay, we're blind reviewing. We know how often we should blind review. The timeline of it, I think, also matters. I, I kind of touched on it a little bit when I talked about like my PT weekend. So in my opinion for a PT, I know, Henry, you think a little bit differently. I think if you can wait an entire full day before blind reviewing, that's great, right? If you can take the test on Saturday and wait to blind review until Sunday, perfect. Because what that'll do, my like pitch for it, 
is you're removing a lot of the confirmation bias that you would have if you were blind reviewing right after taking the test or a couple hours after taking the test. Because if you just do it while it's still like very recent in your head, you're probably just going to be looking at it and be like, yeah, I remember why I like B so much. Like B looks really good to me. I'm just going to move on. But if you wait a full day, you're probably going to forget some of the thought process that you had the day before. And you can really look at the test with fresh eyes, look at the questions with fresh eyes and probably correct a lot more of your mistakes. If you can't wait a full day, I get it. It's like a very extended process. You can wait at least a couple hours. I think that's also fine. Maybe something I would do a lot is I would take the test in the morning, go eat lunch, do whatever else, and then come back like later in the afternoon, early evening to start blind reviewing and then finish it the next day. So that's kind of a way you can speed up the process, but the longer you can wait between taking the thing and blind reviewing it, the better. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Definitely take a couple, at least a couple hours between I'm, when you For said sure. take the test, I'm just reminding myself of the good old days when I would wake up on Saturday, like crush a coffee. <laughs> and I was so jazzed to just take this test. That's how I, I really don't have a life. What'd you say? Jazzed to take the test? I don't have oh, a God. <laughs> I'm, that's even worse than, than wanting to take a Crazy thing to say. That's just a little embarrassing. I was excited to go and kill this test and then, and then blind review it later. I would usually blind review that the day of, but I would definitely take a couple hours in between for, for the exact reason you said. If you look at an LR section right after you did it, it's a lot of confirmation bias. You're basically confirming your priors, right? Because there's a reason you picked it in the exactly. first place. It's also like, that just sounds so painful, right? To blind view right after you took the test. Like, I just took this giant test. I'm exhausted. Like, I get like physically tired after I do a lot of LSAT because it's just so much thinking involved. I can't imagine sitting there for three hours to take this test and then immediately going to start blind review. No, I need a break. I need a snack. Like, I need a little pick-me-up before I can start doing that again, so. What's your go-to snack? Right, recently, it's been pistachios. I've been a big pistachio girl recently. I don't know where this kick started. I never ate them as a kid, but I I just, it's like a little, it's like a little gift, right? Like you just open the shell and there's like a little surprise. What about you? What's your go-to snack? I can't have pistachios because I'm allergic to nuts, unfortunately, and, <laughs> and failure. So, but my go-to snack is bread and butter, like toast and butter. Mm. Love a good thick toast? cut toast. Yeah, toast. What's wrong? What's wrong with that? Oh my God. You're a grown man, Henry. I don't. No, a lot of do grown men not eat toast? <laughs> no, they don't. Oh my god, what? <laughs> toast is like what nah, you get they for eat lunch. Cold bread like normal people <laughs> in kinder. No, like real men don't eat toast. <laughs> is that your real men voice? Yeah, this is no, how like, I actually sound. <laughs> you mean like a sandwich or something? Like like kick it up a notch just a little bit. I it's a snack. I didn't say lunch. <laughs> I didn't say lunch. Go to snack. I, okay. Yeah, I like. To I like. Uh, never mind. I don't like toast. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Don't be insecure, Henry. Stand your own. Don't let me the little the things bully that you me? like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strong word. That's not bullying. I do like hot Cheetos. I will say, but that's. I feel like that's even more childish. Yeah. Just a I little was bit. originally gonna say hot Cheetos, and then I thought, what? I'll shift to toast. Maybe Austin won't make fun of me this time. Do I make fun? <laughs> I don't think I make fun of you that often. <laughs> if I don't, I should. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, that is true. Anyways, where even were we? Oh, yeah, you should wait a couple hours between taking the thing and blind reviewing it. And make sure you eat pistachios, not toast. Not toast. If you're, if you're a real man. <laughs> real I'm men just eat throwing pistachios. That out there. If you don't care about being a real man between blind reviewing, then go ahead. Eat, eat some toast and butter, apparently. That's what Asta, that's, that's Asta's opinion, not mine. <laughs> You're making me look like the bad guy here. Look, Henry, I just want better for you. I do. That's where this is coming from. 
So we already talked a little bit about what kind of bar you should have for what questions you're blind reviewing. But I think a, a very simple way of kind of putting it is ask yourself, do I think I got this question wrong? And if you are like 50% and a feather that, yeah, maybe I got this wrong, blind review it. 50 and a feather. That's the bar that I'm going to use. Do you agree with that number? Is it 50 pounds of feathers? Oh my God, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) What's heavier, 50 pounds of feathers or 50 pounds of iron? That is, was like the first LSAT question I've probably ever looked at. It's not actually an LSAT question. I was question. about to say, is that an actual... But remember in, like in fourth grade when yeah. people would ask you that? Oh, it was such a gotcha. That, that was setting you up for, I'll admit, for the LSAT. Henry, I was, I was the kid who would ask the question, right? Like that was me as a kid is like throwing that question at people and be like, haha, you got it wrong. You're just always a bully. I don't, I don't think it's that's crazy. bullying. I, again, I'm bettering people is what that is. Yeah, okay. Yes. Bettering people through belittling. <laughs> Bettering through belittling, BTV. I'm a kind person. Yes, that's true. I hope. I hope is what people think. Good God. Now you're just making me look like a villain here. Sorry for derailing <laughs> you into, into exposing your villainy. But yeah, I agree. 50 and a feather. So 50 and a feather. 50% plus one. If you are more sure that you got it wrong, then you're sure that you got it right. That's a good, a good opportunity to blind review it. Now, if you're 60% sure that you got it right, so you narrow down the questions, I think that is... I don't want to say don't blind review it it again it's a it's a judgment call and and you'll get better at this as you do it more because when you're early on you're probably not going to be 100 percent sure about many questions i I guess you could blind review the entire section but i i don't know i don't i would want i would want people to avoid just doing the section again kind of what we were talking about earlier I, i mean again like i think that depending on like how many questions you're feeling unsure about right one way would to be to blind review it all but that would just take so much time and i don't expect anybody to spend eight, nine hours blind reviewing a test. Or, right, you can just select, right? Maybe it's you're just going to focus on the harder questions. Maybe you're going to focus on the easier questions. So you can maybe do like the first half of a section or the second half of a section. Maybe as you were taking it, you flagged questions that you were like extra unsure about. Maybe you go the elimination route, right? Find a system that works well for you that allows you to blind review this test in around the amount of time it took for you to take it, right? Maybe a little over, maybe a little under, but play around with it until you can find something that's not only going to be sustainable, but also going to be helpful. And I really do think any amount of blind review you're doing is going to be helpful to you. So just find the one that you'll actually make yourself do. You mentioned the questions you flagged, which is, I I don't know if we touched on that. That is also very, very good to to blind review. And and this is something that everyone probably should be doing during their, when they're taking the test or when they're taking a timed section. I totally agree. It's flagging, flagging questions. You definitely want to blind review those without a doubt. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then one thing I will say is the seven stage interface makes it really easy to blind review where if you like eliminate something on the actual thing, then it'll show you on blind review that like you eliminated it. It'll automatically like block off your answers until you've confirmed that you're done blind reviewing, right? Like it makes it very easy for you to do that. If you're using some other platform, you might have to find like a little bit of a workaround there. So I think that's where flagging questions can be especially helpful to decide what you're going to blind review if you're using a different platform because you can flag it and then you'll know. As opposed to with Seven Sage, right? I typically would go like the elimination route when I was blind reviewing. So if I saw that, because I'm a big eliminator, even on some of the earlier questions, I'm just like, click, click, click wrong 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 i just like eliminating it's really satisfying and and seven stage makes it really easy to do that again with the villainy you like to eliminate things oh my god now you make me sound like a murderer henry it's crazy your words not mine i'm just reading between the lines (laughs) anyway (laughs) we're gonna fight about this again um 
I, I think that those options make it really easy to do on Seven Sage, but find a system that works for you, whatever platform that you're on. Seven Sage Monthly Plus Live. Not only do you have access to Seven Sage Live classes and a full library of previous classes, but it makes it easier to blind review. What an awesome pitch, Henry. We should we should put you on like sales or something. I think that would be awesome. Mm, okay, yeah, you want to get me on sales, do you now? <laughs> so I think that brings us to our last point, which is after the blind review. So you've taken the prep test, you waited a day, you had some pistachios or some toast, depending on what kind of man you are. And then... <laughs> True. Okay. All right. That one got me. <laughs> and then you need to figure out, what do I do? I know what questions I got wrong in the time part. I know what questions I got wrong on blind review. The third step in this process, one of my other favorite things when it comes to studying for this test is the wrong answer journal. It's the wrong answer journal. What are... What are your thoughts on the wrong answer journal? I like the wrong. You mean the wedge? <laughs> I had to <laughs> I get it in there. So what are your thoughts on the wrong answer you journal? You mean that. the wedge? Emphasizing every single word so you wouldn't do that. No, so the wrong answer journal. I like the wrong answer journal. I like it a lot. I think the wrong answer journal is more useful when someone has been studying for a while. Well, actually, we should describe what the, what is the wrong answer journal. We should describe describe what it is first. Exactly what it sounds like, right? It's essentially taking questions that you got the wrong answer for and putting it in one place. I had a spreadsheet that I used. Some people will use a notebook or something along those lines. But it's writing down the question that you got wrong, writing down why you got it wrong, right? Like, why was the right answer right? Why was the wrong answer wrong? Yeah, what was my thinking for picking the wrong answer? Exactly. What was your thought process? And something that I think is an important component to the wrong answer journal is, what's my fix? What am I going to do in the future so I don't make a mistake like this again? And that's pretty much the core components of a wrong answer journal. Other people, I've seen people who have like 12 columns for their wrong answer journal, and they just do this like high level analysis on every question they miss. I don't know if that's a little bit overkill. Hey, all the power to you if that is something that you do. It, it can only help you, I would say. It might not be super efficient, but it will help you. It's probably the way to put it. But I think if you're going to pick and choose what you're going to include in a wrong answer journal, why was the right answer right? Why was the wrong answer wrong? Why did I get this wrong? And what's my fix? I think if you can have those four things, that's the core of like a good wrong answer journal. So that's pretty much what it is. I And, and the reason why I say that's generally, I don't want to say better, it is, it is more pleasant if you're someone who's maybe getting minus four, minus five, because it's not so tedious, right? It's a lot easier to write down five questions and why you got them wrong and why the right answer is right. If you're like me, when you first started studying and you're getting 15 plus questions wrong a section, that's a lot to put down in the wrong answer journal. And I, I don't know if it's super helpful at that point. Yeah. It's almost doing too much. In, in a way, you want your studying to be directed in some way. It's, and this is why it's, by the way, not good to take PTs for studying, because it's way better just to take 10 necessary assumption questions in a row. We've really been loving necessary assumption questions today. I think we've used that. They're just on my mind. I like the, I like, like, N-A, it just sounds so catchy. It's much more catchy than S-A. Do you, do you not agree? I mean, I, when I think N-A, I think of, like, I, I used to work a job where we had just had to fill out, like, forms all day long. We would interview people and then fill out forms. And so I just get, like, a little bit of PTSD because anytime there would be a question that wasn't relevant to the person we were interviewing, we had to fill out N-A. So, like, there were days where I was just typing N slash A maybe 400, 500 times a day. Wow, and that's tough. And I'm just a little traumatized by those two letters together. <laughs> when i hear na i think uh, like north america <laughs> well, gamers will understand this when they what? think na they think the na server 
if you are missing a lot, a good thing to put in your wrong answer journal is, is just the questions that you missed after blind review. So let's say you corrected them during blind review. You, you wouldn't have to put those ones in your wrong answer journal. And this is just to shave down the amount of time it would take to do the wrong answer journal. Because I think we both recognize like the wedge. Oh it's, it's like blind reviewing the blind review. It's a lot extra. Very helpful, but still very time consuming. And, and, and good, too. I, I really want to hammer that it's good. But I also want to make sure what I try to aim for with all my clients is to make sure make studying bearable, right? So it's to make it something that is not that you don't dread. And so I know as a, as a test taker, I or a studier, I would have absolutely dreaded not only blind reviewing my entire PT, but then wrong answer journaling every single question I got wrong. And so just making it a little bit more bearable and saying, hey, look, after the blind review. Wrong answer journal, those ones. Or even make a judgment call. Wrong answer journal, the ones that you really think that you were off the mark on. Does that make make sense? No, for sure. For sure. And I especially think like when at the beginning of your studying, I don't think you need to spend a whole, whole bunch of time wrong answer journaling, right? Because the blind reviews are going to take you some time. I'd rather you just spend that time going and watching, I don't know, a couple of JY's videos or reviewing the core curriculum or whatever other resource you're using, right? I'd rather you use that time to learn more of the content until you're just getting fewer questions wrong. But if you're only missing a couple of questions per section, oh my God, you should definitely be wrong answer journaling because the discoveries that you make while it's like a little therapeutic almost, right? Like a lot of self-reflecting, whatever. The discoveries you make while wrong answer journaling could be the difference between one or two points on test day. It could be the difference between- Probably will be. I would actually feel very comfortable putting that. And I don't, I never, I very rarely feel comfortable saying like will versus could. I think that's fair. But I think the wrong answer journal, especially for someone who's high up on scoring relatively high, that is the kind of thing. It's it's very like introspective, kind of what you're pointing out. Really understanding why you got something wrong. Besides just the logic, because if you're scoring one six, high 160s, you're probably, you don't probably don't have like a, a reasoning error. It's probably more down to the wording of the test, which I know we will talk about. The wrong answer journal is very powerful for, for that. It's powerful for everyone, but it's a very efficient way to, to bring you from the high 160s into those 170s or the low 170s into the high 170s. So that pretty much brings us to the end of our episode. I'm just going to take a, a quick moment and kind of recap what we talked about here. So you guys have some things to kind of walk away with. What is blind review? We know what it is. It's giving you a second chance at the test. You're doing it untimed. Blind review is not doing every single question again. Don't waste your time doing that. Just like it's a waste of time. Pick some metric. Yeah, right. Just like it's a waste of time to not blind review. It's also a little bit of a waste of your time to blind review the entire test. So have some kind of a bar, right? Of of what type of questions you're going to blind review. Assess your confidence there. Try to space it out. So you're not blind reviewing immediately after you answer the questions, take the PT, whatever it is. If you have a little bit, a couple of hours at least, but if you can wait the day, wait the day. And then if you can, wrong answer journal. And I think that is the secret sauce for success on the LSAT. And most importantly, don't eat toast, apparently. (laughs) Whatever you do, even if you don't blind review. (laughs) I hope you avoid toast. The ultimate crime of you. No, I'm kidding. I think toast is fine. I just don't know if it's what I would call the best snack or my favorite snack. That's just a crazy thing to say. Anyways, well, thank you for listening, 7 Sage users or 7 Sage listeners. I hope you've enjoyed... I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week with another one. And other than that, happy studying. Ah, happy studying. For more LSAT study tips, visit 7 See you next week.